The greatest fear the left has, and they continually voice it, is that democracy will be destroyed. Which is interesting, considering communism and fascism are both anti-democratic. Both are totalitarian and autocratic. The confusion about whether a type of government belongs on the political left or right is the result of the wealthy identifying with the state against the people, as happens in a fascist state. Convention aligns the rich with the right. But this schema means left-leaning governments would have economic equality. It may be what they preach to their followers, but communists are as every bit unequal as capitalist nations. The castles and mansions of the economic right do not sit empty after the revolution, nor are all the luxurious amenities put in museums, destroyed or distributed to poor families. Centralized power appears to have a place in both the left and right. But how can that be? Centralization appears to be what both left and right are against. Much of the fear of the left regarding the loss of democracy seems tied to their fear of an autocratic government gaining power. Yet, the right consistently argues against any increase in the regulatory power of the state. What truly muddies the waters our labeling schema is when powerful landowners or merchants align with the state and create an oligarch, such as what appears to have happened in Russia and in North Korea and Saudi Arabia, though in the latter two cases family ties appears to be an additional bond holding together the ruling class. No one is going to label these nations democratic. However, we cannot correlate the absence of a democratic government with either the far right or a rejection of socialism. We suggest autocracy and oligarchy is a form of liberalism, though corrupted. Autocracy is not what liberals ostensibly advocate or actively promote, but the centralized state is a natural outgrowth and consequence of what liberals do advocate. If you like, think of a socialist dictatorship as the collateral damage wrought by socialism and the democratic process. Communism, for example, was in how it was originally imagined, aligned with anarchy. The people were to own the means of production. The state was absent or a rump of what it is today. Marxian communism was a nice vision but an absurd conception. Ownership is an exercise of power applied to property. To claim the people, own the nation is akin to saying no one owns the national resources. Ownership without power is an absurdity and the idea of public ownership is an oxymoron. If one considers that possession is 90% of the law, the person who physically runs a business has more power than the people or the government. What further confuses the issue is that liberalism is about freedom and governments, especially central governments, are about regulation. Despite the left being against autocracy, they are generally opposed to the centralization of wealth and the control of the means of production by private interests. In short, it becomes difficult to know where to draw the line between them. The fact is a clear line cannot be drawn between the left and right because they are divided by relative factors more than they are by substantial ones. What is unique about a public servant having operational control of a hydro facility when compared to a private company? We might say the private owner can sell the property but even if he does, he must pay his debtors and can only take so much liquidity out of the company. The public servant may not be able to sell the facility but when he leaves he probably leaves with a golden handshake that gives him a comfortable retirement and a legacy to bequeath to his heirs. But this is not the place or time to quibble about which system is marginally better for the people in this or that regard. The bottom line is private ownership is not an absolute state or condition. Private ownership is regulated as is public ownership. 
If fascists left private property in the hands of the wealthy, it was still harnessed to the needs of the state. A compliant private owner and a bureaucrat are not that different from each other. What is needed is a better understanding of the right so that a clear line of division can be drawn between the left and right. But we have a problem, the left and right are the same recipe with the same ingredients, only the proportions of the various elements differ. There is at this time nothing of substance that divides them. The left is for freedom, but in terms of application it is solidly democratic. However, there are technical problems with democracy that makes its association with freedom problematical. These issues have been dealt with in several places, most recently in The Devil is in Democracy Part 1 and 2. The most obvious problem with democracy is that democracy is not set up to give a voice to minorities and indeed is designed to silence them. Which is why democracy was upended by turning it into representative democracy. There are various ways democracies have sought to moderate the power of the majority and make it less powerful or dominant. One of the most recent and problematical approaches is the demonization of white people in Western nations, since whites are the majority in these countries. They are convinced to act non-white. There is nothing more terrifying about democracy than the idea that one might be part of a minority. In short, everyone loves democracy so long as they are part of the majority. By identifying as non-white, white liberals can reduce the guilt they feel of being part of an oppressive majority. Meritocracy is most often touted as an alternative to democracy. Though democracy could be viewed as a meritocracy if we understand the majority opinion as the one with the greatest merit. The biggest drawback with meritocracy is that it does not quantify merit. In the eyes of most people, we all have merit. Capitalism is considered a meritocracy. Those who become rich are made rich by market votes. The wealthy earn their status in open competition and so have earned the right to be rich. That is the theory, in reality luck, patents, and daddy's money help. In short, every system is a meritocracy for those who advocate for the system. The king used to be considered a direct representative of God, therefore the only one who deserved to rule. What is less often considered is the individual voter has a right to vote. The power of the people is the power of the parasite. A vote adds not one penny of new wealth to the economy. All of the electioneering and speeches only decides what to do with what already exists. A people can vote what to do with what has been created, but no primitive tribe can vote to have a civilization and by this means acquire the status of a civilized nation. It takes work to make a civilized people. The state produces nothing and has no productive capacity. The state is akin to a broker that gets orders from one group or pretends it does, and then pays another group to produce what is wanted. But the group benefited is never the group called upon to pay for the benefit. But the argument has always been that the market cannot produce social goods. This would be more convincing if what a social good was precisely defined. The truth is that all social goods are produced by the private sector, even if not under the management of a capitalist. It is just that social goods are financed by the public sector. The problem of producing social goods is more about the problem of private interests finding a way to make a profit out of some markets. A toll road permits private enterprise to build a road. But do we want roads construction to be subject to the profit motive? But for most people private enterprise and public ownership are the only choices. 
Either a private party figures out a way to make a profit from building something or the state funds the project out of general revenues. But what if there was a third way? It might help if we define a couple of terms. Wisdom is the ability to discern and appreciate costs, especially hidden or future costs. Evil is a blatant disregard for costs, meaning costs are preferentially externalized onto society and future generations. If we think of these definitions in light of what was said about democracy, we can see the problems that will flow from it. The alternative to democracy must eliminate evil and promote wisdom. To do this requires we eliminate fear. It is fear that causes man to see others as representing risk and to seek ways of reducing the risk they represent. To reduce fear of the threat that others represent requires the creation of a power disparity by means of property ownership. It ought to be easy to see that democracy not only creates costs, but it is also oblivious to the costs it creates. Democracy is the opposite of wisdom, at least in this regard. Which brings us to question how costs are externalized or what happens when costs are externalized. We have remarked that this system inculcates fear. To be faced with freedom is to be exposed to the possibility of a loss. The freedom of others represents a threat to the security of our person and our possessions. And this threat is experienced as fear. To overcome fear or to compensate for it is to avoid paying costs. The externalization of costs is a way to compensate for a sense of fear that occurs when faced with a threat from others. The opposite of fear is faith. If we do not fear, we have faith that others will not exploit our trust. Trust is a work of faith that builds community and overcomes fear. In faith, we are accountable for the costs we create. In faith, we pay everyone for the value they create. People are not exploited in faith. The faithful do not take what they are not owed, and we do pay what we do owe. Apriocracy is the rule of the right thinker. Those who create value have the right to spend or allocate the value created. If the creator does not spend what he creates into the economy, we have tyranny. The right is an earned appellation. The person on the right is a person who has earned the position. For too long we have permitted free entry into the right. There is nothing about your flesh or history that gives you the right to be on the right or that makes you a Christian. What is more absurd than thinking the majority has the power of validation? If you think the people have power go down to the beach with a large group of persons and see if a majority vote can turn back the tide? Without the ability to pay for what you get, your power will be deposed. The one who creates has the right to rule. God created reality and so has the right to rule reality. We add value to the creation of God so all we have a right to rule is the value added by us to the things created by God. Our work adds values to assets to produce equity. The only right we have is market rights. After democracy comes the rule of those with the right to rule and this is not coextensive with the entire human race. 